Well, good morning once again. It's good to be together. This morning, um, we are in the series of the hard sayings of Jesus. And this morning, I want to talk to you about forgiveness. I want to look at what Jesus said about forgiveness. I want to look at why it's important for us today. And then I'm going to talk about how we can begin to forgive one another. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking about handling personal offenses. Uh, I mean, really, I think we could all learn a lot here because you cannot do life without getting your toes stepped on, without stepping on others' toes. Uh, we just need to learn how to deal with life's personal offenses. And he, Peter came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought to him who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me, I will pay it all. Then the master filled with pity for him and he, was, and he released him and forgave him his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged him for a little more time, be patient with me, I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait and he had him arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, had for, who he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man into prison to be tortured until he paid the entire debt. And Jesus said, and that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's harsh. It's interesting that the, 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 the context for this, for the disciples, the Jewish teachers and, and the scholars of the first century, they taught that you needed to forgive up to three times, but beyond that, there was no requirement for you to forgive someone. In fact, it was thought it would be too generous, it would maybe be enabling. And then, and then they, they came up with this from Amos chapter one, where God had forgiven the Israel's enemies three times, but after that, he punished them. And so they simply projected that onto, the, onto the, the, the people of the first century, the Jewish people of the first century. And so Jesus is talking about handling life, handling each other. And Peter comes along 
and he asks a stupid question. There is absolutely no cultural context or religious context for his question. I think he was just showing off. And he says to Jesus, okay, uh, Lord, would it be okay if I forgave somebody seven times? As I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, the other disciples must have just rolled their eyes. What an idiot. He couldn't forgive somebody. He can't forgive somebody two times. What are you talking about? And Jesus looks back at him and he says, not seven times, but 490 times. That must have been staggering for them. Absolutely jaw-dropping for them. You see, forgiveness like that is actually humanly impossible. To be forgiven, to forgive somebody who hurts you 490 times, it, it, it's, it's actually impossible. But scholars are telling us that what Jesus is talking about is not forgiving somebody 490 times, but forgiving somebody beyond counting. And that's really what he's doing there. And it's impossible for us to do that. That kind of forgiveness is only possible for God. But disciples didn't know that in about two and a half years, Jesus would leave them. And when he would leave them, he would send the Holy Spirit of God who would then indwell them. And the point that Jesus is making, one of the many points he's making in this is that in me, there is grace to forgive without limit. In me, there is grace to forgive beyond anything that you actually think you are capable in and of yourself. But to the disciples, this must have felt so heavy. They've already got 600 some laws that they're required to fulfill. And here is another one, and it's a big one. 490 times? Are you kidding me? They didn't know that Jesus was actually giving them the keys to living freely, the keys to living fully, the keys to living in the present, to be actual, actually have the ability to be present. You see, our human capacity to receive God's grace gets blocked when we refuse to forgive others. In order to move into your future, you have to let go of the pains of the past. You cannot hold on to both. You just cannot. Forgiveness doesn't exonerate the person that hurts you. It doesn't. And it, and it doesn't trivialize the depth of your trauma, the thing that you've been to. What it does is sets you free from living in the whorehouse horror house, not whore house, from living in the whore house of memories and agonies of the pain of your past. It's a gift that you have to find a way, we all have to find a way to give ourselves that gift. It's about breaking away from the pain of yesterday and living into today. I have a friend, um, a colleague actually, who is this incredibly inspiring to me because she has overcome so much in her life. She, as a baby, was aborted 
and she survived. She was aborted and she survived. And that's where her wrestling began. And not only has she survived, but she's found a way to go through things that you could not imagine. And at the end of it, she is a healthy, whole, healing human being. Just one of the things that she has endured in her life, just one, is that she was sexually molested from the time she was three till she was well into her, into her teens. And the man that was molesting her on a regular basis was her minister. And her minister was her father. And what her father did to her was unforgivable, was unthinkable. But one day, and she wrestled, this is not an easy fight to fight. But one day she said, enough is enough. And she went to him and he was actually dying. And she chose to forgive him. She forgave him not because he deserved forgiveness. She forgave him because she was so tired of being attached to him and to the trauma and to the abuse. It went with her everywhere she went. She told me that in, at least in this area of her life, it was like you, you, you were attached to, 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 the, to all those times and all of that pain by a bungee cord. And you would walk against the load and you're trying to get away from him and you're trying to get away from him. She never saw him. Once she left the house, she never even spoke to him again until the day she went to forgive him. She's trying to get away from him, trying to get away from the pain. And she said, and then you have a weak moment and you get shot right back to that moment, right back to the worst moment, the deepest pain. And so she said, I didn't feel like it, he didn't deserve it, but I needed to do it. And she, he didn't even ask. He's so broken, he didn't even ask. And she forgave him. My friend said to me that, I can't explain exactly when it happened, but not long after she did that, and she said her heart was still, it's not like her heart went soft. In that moment, she just did what she knew was right. She took her hands off his throat, really, in essence. And she said, all of a sudden, doors started opening for me. And she said, dreams started coming to pass. She said, I began to live with a freedom that I haven't in, in, in the first 40 years of her life. God is a God of seed. He does everything that he does by seed. When God starts a process in you, he starts it with a seed thought. When he releases a truth in you, it comes to you in a seed. And you don't always know what to do with it. You don't necessarily understand it completely, but you make room for it and it begins to germinate. And truth germinates and it grows inside of you and then it begins to change and influence your being and eventually changes and influences your doing. And when, when the seeds that are planted in you are, are life and seeds of healing, seeds of restoration, 
It's good. It's very good. But the same process works against us. Because when, 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 when seeds of unforgiveness and anger and bitterness and resentment, they, they, they operate and they start as seeds. In fact, that's why you don't even know how angry you are because you're so used to this. These things came to you in seed form and they have become part of the furniture in your heart, in your mind. But the things that they're producing in you are confusion, resentment, bitterness. You don't even know why you are angry. But you're so angry. And Paul said to the Philippians, he said, fix your thoughts on this. Fix your thoughts, so make room in your garden, the garden of your mind, for things that are true and honorable and right and pure, things that are admirable and lovely. Think on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I'll tell you what, that verse isn't for when your life is wonderful. That verse is when somebody walks all over you, somebody slanders you, somebody goes on Facebook and, and says terrible things about you, somebody that insults you, somebody that hurts you. That's when you run to that verse. You know, anybody that has excelled in life, Anybody that has achieved something significant, any, anybody that's excelled, even in the, in the arts, in dance, in sports, in business, people that have excelled, in, and, and, and even in spirituality, they've all gone through something. They've all been hurt. We, no one is exempt from the gauntlet. They've all had life-crushing experiences. They've all had people who said that they were nothing and that they're not good enough. But somehow those people were able to let go of the past and convert the pain into passion and drive and commitment rather than allowing those painful moments to define them. You see, when something no longer exists, it can't hurt you. When something that happened 20 years ago, when something that happened when you were a child, when something that happened two weeks ago, it doesn't exist anymore. It can't hurt you in the present moment. The thing that hurts you is the meaning that you give to that thing in your mind and the significance that you give to it. That's what's killing you. I'll tell you what, if you wanna be inspired to forgive, go to Google. And, and Google TED Talks on forgiveness. Holy moly. Um, you, you will, uh, whatever you've been through, you will see people, you will hear story after story after story of people who've been through horrific things. And in order to let go of the past, in order to live in such a way that the past has let go of you, they all come to the exact same conclusion. There's no shortcut, you have to forgive. In order to let it go, in order to break the chain, you have to forgive. If you don't want your past to hold on to you anymore, stop giving it so much energy. 
Stop giving it your attention and your focus because that's how you give it your power. And that's why it's still there. If you keep thinking about the pains and the problems of your past, you will keep experiencing the pains and problems of your past. And then you even go one step further and you project those pains and problems onto your present situation. Because it happened then, it's gonna happen now. In fact, you even make it happen now. Remember, I've said this before, you always see what you're looking for. And if you can't let go of somebody that hurts you, then you're gonna look for that hurt in everybody else in your life and you live defensively and you live guarded. Don't let the pain of your past put you in the passenger seat of your, your life. It takes courage to let things go. It really does. It doesn't take courage to hold on, harbor. It takes courage to let things go, things that hurt you and wounded you, things that made you bleed. It takes courage to let go of things that you've lost. Talked to somebody yesterday who moved from Vancouver and they sold their house literally six months before it went crazy. And they sold the house, but they were able to live in their house for quite a few months after they sold it because the people were moving to Vancouver from somewhere else. And so this lady said to me that in the six months that we lived in our house, our house went up in value. After we sold it, $400,000. She said, we are so unlucky, you don't even know. She's, she's lamenting, she's grieving, she's still... She hasn't let go of the loss. I mean, that's a lot of money. But lost jobs, lost promotions. It takes courage to let go of people. It takes courage to let go of the people, the, the, the one who used you and then dumped you. The guy who just left, the girl who broke your heart. And one of the ways that you, you, one of the mindsets that you bring to this to let go of is you have to believe that what is in front of you is greater than what's behind you. You have to believe that. That the, the things that God has before you are more significant and greater than the stuff that happened behind you so you can let go of that and press on to that. Forgiveness is God's wisdom in running your race lean. Lean, strong, free. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, he said, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips, trips us up. Let's run with endurance the race that's set before us. How in the world can you bring the best version of you to today and to tomorrow when you're stuck in the past, when chunks of your heart are stuck in the past? See, because God wants to flow. He wants to, you to be a conduit through which his character can flow. He wants you to be a conduit through which his forgiveness can flow. Paul says this, he said, comfort one another where you have been comforted. Comfort one another where you have been comforted. He's saying, I, I, I'll comfort you. And when I come for you, you turn around and look for somebody who needs it and then you comfort them. Uh, T.G. Jakes, I really got a lot of 
inspiration and help for this talk from his book called Let It Go. Uh, it's a really, really great read. And in the book, he, um, when he says comfort others the way you've been comforted, he, he, he uses the analogy of kissing, actually. And um, when, when, when I saw that, I, I went down memory lane. And I remember my first kiss, okay? It's really pathetic when you think about it. Um, I, was, uh, I was 24 when I got my first kiss, right? And I was celibate, not because I was holy. I was homely, okay? I was just a homely kid, right? And, and I didn't want to be celibate. Trust me, I didn't want to be celibate. In fact, growing up, I just didn't want Jesus to return until I'd had sex. That was, that was one of my big prayers. Don't come, not, not yet. You know, I, so, so I just didn't think I'd experience any of that stuff. And, and so um, I'm 24 years old, never been kissed. And then I meet my wife. And the first and the only girl that I've kissed is my wife. Uh, she was 20. And um, we dated for three weeks. And then I was ready. By that time, it, it was time to kiss. Okay, I don't know, there's no book on it, but, but it, 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 I just, it was time. And so I uh, called my friend, Kelly, and, and he had lots of girlfriends and he'd done a lot of kissing. And, and I, I, I just, when you're 24 and you don't know how to kiss, that's really, like I was very embarrassed about that. And so I bought, we went to Burger King and, um, and when I told him I'd never been kissed before, I'd never kissed a girl, he, well, he made fun of me. And, um, and, uh, and then I said, so how, like, how far do you open your mouth? Do you open your mouth? Do you, how far do you close? And, and so it was just the most awkward conversation you could, at 24, did I mention that? And, um. So he, he tells me, he tells me everything I should do and everything I, I shouldn't do. And I was so confused. He says, okay, okay, okay. Enough is, he said, I'll tell you, he said, just do back to her whatever she does to you. I'm going, okay, okay. But I, I got to initiate, right? He says, yeah, but once you're in, he said, just do back to her whatever she does to you and, and it should work, right? And so very excited, I've got this information and knowledge is power. And, uh, and so uh, that night after I dropped her off at her place, uh, we're sitting in my car and I said, would you, would you mind if I give you a good night kiss? And, and I don't remember what she said because the, the play was already in motion. Like we were, <laughs> and so I just, I, I closed my eyes because that's what they do in the movies, right? They all close, and I don't know if she closed her eyes or if she just saw this thing coming. Um, this literally happened. I closed my eyes, puckered up, and placed my lips over the tip of her nose. <laughs> and then I got I was so embarrassed, I, I backed up and go, missed. <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> I'm, who misses? It's like, how do you miss? I missed. And I remember just feeling like Gomer Pyle. Like I just thought, whoa, this is so bad. But we figured it out. Whatever. And I think God's saying that to you and me. Whatever I do to you, you do to them. Whatever I do to you, you do to them. Even if it's not familiar to you. What I give to you, you give to them. If I comfort you, you comfort them. If I bless you, you bless them. 
If I teach you, you teach them. If I forgive you, you forgive them. You see, in the book, T.D. Jake says, forgiveness is a very big idea. And not everybody wants to live at the realm of big ideas. They just as soon hold a grudge. It's a really big idea, and if those are, and it's only for those that are big enough to live in the big picture. One of the keys to forgiving someone is understanding them. And understanding begins when we make a distinction between wickedness and weakness. The people who hurt you, they're not wicked, they're weak. They, they, what, what they did to you, they did to themselves. They are victims of their own weakness. And are you so arrogant that you don't see your own weakness? Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. You have received mercy. By the way, you're worse than you think. We are so good at Somehow we've justified all of our own sin, haven't we? Like, I have the sense of entitlement, I do. I park where I shouldn't park because I'm just gonna be in there for a moment and, and it drives my wife out of her mind. Until I see somebody else acting all entitled. That drives me out of my mind. <laughs> You're worse than you think. You're more annoying than you think. You are an acquired taste, trust me. But you're loved more than you can imagine. And what he does to you, you can do to someone else. What he gives you, you give, give to others. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up. I, um, I'm gonna close with this. It's a, it was a powerful story. I read it a long time ago, like probably almost 30 years ago. It was the story of Corrie Ten Boom. Do you remember her? Her and her family, they were hiding Jews from the Nazis during the Second World War. And there was a man in their neighborhood who worked in one of the, the camps, the concentration camps, the extermination camps. And he suspected something was up. And he reported her, Corey Ten Boom and her sister and her father to the police, to the, to the Nazis. And they, and, and, and they came and they arrested them and they took them to one of the camps. And that man was cruel and he did awful things. And he killed her sister and because of him her father died. Corey herself survived the concentration camps and she wrote a, a book called The Hiding Place. And for a lifetime she lived with the grief and the loss of, of all that had happened. And she taught and on, on the power of forgiveness her whole life. And at the end of her life, she, she was back in, I think, Holland. Was that where they were? Does anybody know? Was it, I think it was Holland. And she was back in her old neighborhood and she was speaking in this large church. And, and as she was speaking in the middle of the congregation, there was the man. There was the man that caused her so much pain. There was the man that, 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 that had her father killed and her sister killed and the man that hurt her so badly. She said, I don't remember what I talked about. I went numb. I just went into, into protection mode. Into, 
And then she said, it was all a blur, but at the end, that man had the audacity to walk up to me. And he said, Fraulein, he said, I, I know I've hurt you. I've done terrible things, things that are unspeakable. He said, is there any way that you could forgive me for all? He said, I've become a Christian. I, I know that I've received God's forgiveness, but he said, could I? I'm begging you for your forgiveness. And she thought to herself, she said, how, how could you even ask me that? How could you do that? I can't forgive you. I hate you. You've hurt me more than anybody and ever in my whole life. And the man stood there with his hand out and she's talking to God and she said, I can't forgive, I, I can't forgive him. But she said, I can shake his hand. And so she put her hand out and she grabbed his hand and Corey Tamboon says, when their hands touched, she thought they would be repulsive. But she said, an electricity began in our hands. A warmth, some power began. It shot up into her shoulders and then went down through her entire body. And her heart melted and her heart broke again. And tears flowed down. And she said, with all my heart, I forgive you. And this morning, I, I don't know who hurt you. I don't know how you can forgive them. I don't, because I'm not living your life. But if you can just reach your hand out, if you can understand that they're not wicked, they're just weak. If you can look to God for the, the life and the power of his grace to help you make one step you don't even have to do the whole journey to forgive make one step father in jesus name thank you thank you for you know how hard this is for us Father, it's so much harder when they're Christians that hurt us. They, 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 they know better, but they, they hurt us. But we need to be free. We need to be free, Father. We need to be free to move forward in our lives. We need to be free because, Father, you, you know what? You, you have given us a hope and a future. Help us to let go of the past pain so we can embrace the future of hope that you have for us. In Jesus' name. If you um, would like someone to pray with you, we're going to do one more song and then we'll dismiss. And um, Sid's going to be up here in this corner. Um, and if you, this is too important to just walk out of here without reaching out for, for whatever help and whatever grace you need to cut some of those chains off in your life, all right? So Sid will be up here and there'll be other people too uh, ready to pray for you. Why don't you stand with us as we respond?